Good morning. The reading today is from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29. This concludes Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount. Its heading is The Two Foundations. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as, as, and not as their scribes. Well, thank you, Andrew, for reading those verses this morning to us. Um, and I just, I just want to say it's been a great week, hasn't it, uh, with the great news of little uh, Isla Joy being welcomed into the Collison household. And we just, well, we just send our love to Liz and Peter and Beth and Andrew and can't wait to see her in person. And just wonderful news. We're just, we're so thrilled. Uh, what a great addition to the church family. Wonderful. And so this week, uh, we're going to continue on in the book of Matthew. And a question that comes from our verses this week is, what are we building our life upon? I think it's a great question. Uh, and in essence, it's a question that uh, Jesus is asking from this parable. And I've been reflecting on it this week. And it's, it's, it's led me to some really interesting places, uh, both in personal reflection and testimony and just exploring the scriptures and some of the uh, scholarly writings that are associated with it and it's it's really been rich and it's been joy uh, to do that and so I hope when I share these things that it will invite you into that place uh, and, and give you something to reflect upon and to think about uh, this morning. And so first of all let's think of the context of where this parable sits it's just before the end of the verses, which is known commonly as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we know that that's found in Matthew, but we also know, as Peter MacDonald pointed out, that this sermon uh, is parallels another sermon by Jesus recorded in Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel chapter 6, uh, verses 46 to 49. But it's verse 28 that's interesting this week. It says, when Jesus had finished these words, just a small phrase. But what's interesting is that that phrase is found multiple times in the book of Matthew. It's in chapter 11, verse 1. It's in chapter 13, 53. It's in chapter 19, verse 1. And in chapter 26, verse 1. And this indicates what the scholars would say, the five discourses or the five sections of Matthew. And they all... The, all end with 
with these words, the same words is repeated. And so it's really interesting and I encourage you to, to read the whole of Matthew and see where they sit and then just see the, the sections and see uh, yeah, what's the theme, what's going on there and uh, hopefully that will help you. Uh, to discover more about what Jesus is saying. Um, and so this parable being at the end of this first discourse in Matthew lends itself to a conclusion uh, or a question. And that's where we get that question from. Second context is the geography. Now I've got some photos for you. Uh, so this is the first one. Uh, this is a map of Galilee uh, and Judea and the surrounding areas of that time. And um, I want us to turn back to Matthew chapter 4.25 going into chapter 5 verse 1. What we find in these verses is that we see that Jesus has been going throughout Galilee teaching and healing and here we see that the large crowds have followed him from Galilee and the Diaconus, Jerusalem, Judea and from behind the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, it says, he went up onto the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. So basically, people uh, had been travelling from all around to come and hear Jesus on this mountainside. Jesus, it says, opened his mouth and began to teach a sermon uh, that was to end with this parable uh, that we're looking at today. The second picture is a view that might have been uh, for that crowd and for Jesus as he preached this sermon. And so it might have looked like this. This is uh, one of the areas in which they think that the Sermon on the Mount was preached. And so it's a reminder that this parable was spoken in the Middle East. Uh, that's the context. Uh, this view was the context. And the Middle Eastern theologian Kenneth Bailey is where I went to kind of have a think about what was perhaps being referred to through these verses. So one of the things that he mentions is that uh, about building, because that's what the parable talks about. It's two builders. And he points out and reminds us that building in this region would have happened in the summer. Uh, due to the heavy rainfall that is expected in the winter. And so building a house was tough uh, because of the heat and the dryness of the Middle Eastern summertime. But it was the only way that they could do it. And the goal was to finish before the winter rains came or else the work might be destroyed or just collapse and they would need to begin again. Now it says that the ground was so hard it was almost described like bronze. Uh, and that would have been tough to, to dig uh, foundations within. But they had to put the work in because come the winter, there was kind of runoff streams that started to emerge uh, and the, the soil became so much different from bronze. It became mushy and, and just almost like sand as we read in the parable. Uh, and so it was really important. And the other thing was that they used mud as mortar. So there was dangers if it didn't have the right foundation, if it wasn't built well, then the walls would just collapse because the water would just seep in. Uh, and it would cause just disaster. And so the only way to, uh, to assure a good build was to have foundations that were built on the rock. 
And this would have been a common thing that the people gathered would have talked about. You know, somebody says, I'm going to build a house. Somebody would have said, remember and build it on the rock uh, because that is the only good thing. Lastly, here's a picture of how these houses might have been uh, sort of you know, assembled together or how they would have sat together. And we can see that um, they're quite close together and uh, that would have been quite important that your neighbour also chose to build on the rock. Uh, both out of a kind of heart, uh, maybe sort of sense where you wanted uh, their family to be protected, but also kind of like thinking about all the work you'd put into your house. Uh, because you can see that if one house wasn't securely fixed to the rock, the potential of multiple damage was high. So your building actually had an impact on other people's, your neighbour's building. Uh, and this is really important also. So this begins to give us a shape of the context uh, in which this parable belongs to. So let's look at the parable itself. Now we're reminded that it is a parable. So it's an earthly story with a heavenly me meaning. Uh, yes, Jesus might have reminded somebody in that crowd that, you know, if they were about to, about to build their house, that it would be a good thing to build it on the rock. But Jesus was bringing something much more than that. Uh, and he used a parable to tell them what that was. It also uses uh, a thing called step parallelism. What that means is that there's, there's kind of three steps highlighted uh, and it parallels two uh, two different things and, and brings a contrast uh, within it. So let's have a look at them. So first of all, hear and do. Verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears uh, these words of mine and acts on them, that's the hear and do, building a house, verse 24, may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Then it talks about the storm, floods and the result. Verse 25, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Then it repeats a contrasting parallel. One, hear and do. Verse 26, everyone who hears the words of mine and does not act on them, building a house, verse 26, will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The result, verse 27, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed the house and it fell and great was the fall. So here we see that there was different actions from the builder, different foundations, same conditions, different results. Jesus was saying, look, it's not the conditions that you need to invest in or control. Rather, it's the foundation you need to pay attention to. It's your actions as the builder that you need to pay attention to. And translated into spiritual meaning, uh, basically what Jesus is saying is that the conditions around us um, aren't within our control. But the foundation we choose to build our life on, which is God, is within our control. We can choose that. 
and we can choose to act uh, in a way that is practicing that as an everyday practice. We can choose to build every day and assure a firm foundation. So that's the first thing that I wanted to bring to you. Check what foundation that you're standing on this morning. I did that as I was reflecting. I asked myself, what, what, has, what foundation am I standing on today? Am I trusting in God alone? Or am I trusting, have I got a kind of hybrid thing going on? Am I trusting partly in God? And I've got another kind of foundation that I'm hanging on to, just kind of hedging my bets. Um, what does that look like for me? Uh, and just reflecting helps us to consider again uh, and step into what Jesus is inviting us into. Uh, come and build on the firm foundation, which is me. Build your life on me. Well, we could leave it there uh, as a reflection, and I would encourage you to do that this week. But as I reflected, I mentioned that there was kind of some personal testimony that came out for me. And so I thought I would share that uh, with you this morning. I suppose it took me to a place of, of being a child and being asked this question in a slightly different way. Uh, and it, it would be, what are you going to be when you grow up? Um, in essence, they were asking the same question. They were saying, um, you know, what are you going to invest your life in? What are you going to turn your attention to? What are you going to uh, plan to make happen in order to build this uh, life that you uh, would like to grow up in? Now, when I was asked this question as a child, I had two answers. Some of you may know this already. Uh, my answers were quite simple. I wanted to be a builder, but I also wanted to be a nun. <laughs> A building nun. You don't really get many of them. I was always a bit unusual. Um, and you know, it was unusual. <laughs> it was unusual. Uh, there is no order for nuns uh, about building. Um, but actually, I googled. It's an amazing Google. You can put anything in and see what comes up. Uh, and there was an article that was written uh, just last year. And it was actually an article about a nun in Wisconsin in America who uh, was doing apparently the unusual thing of building a monastery, a prayer monastery. Now the monastery that they already had was a very small, it didn't start off as a monastery, it was just a very small uh, dwelling. Um, but they had 26 nuns now who had committed their life to intercessory prayer uh, in that place. And uh, they also invited the community in and it just wasn't big enough. So this nun had decided to embark on a building project um, and she is quoted in the article of saying that they're building a house of prayer uh, that has prayer as the primary asset and this this is what people are finding unusual uh, so I'm really keen to find out uh, the progress of of all of that but you know my ambitions as a child uh, to be a builder and an un uh, they, they were met with with um, yeah just a a very kind of definite, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, people used to say to me, you can't be a builder because you're a girl. Uh, now, they wouldn't say that now, um, but they said it then. And um, and that kind of put the end to that. And then they said, you can't be a nun because you're not of the Catholic faith. Which is fair enough, because I wasn't. Uh, so I just kind of like, I kind of let that go. And, and I just followed God. I didn't have any other specifics that came in to replace it. Uh, I just started to follow God and uh, and he's brought me to this place today. Um, and as I thought about that, I thought, you know, 
how did that happen? Because as a child, we didn't go to church, but I had a very um, strong relationship with the Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus was my friend as a child, uh, and uh, that was a that was a very definite relationship that I had, despite not going to church on a regular basis. Um, and at age seventeen, I made that commitment really concrete to, yeah, stand on that foundation with the Lord Jesus as my foundation uh, and my king uh, and surrender my life in that way. And as I reflected, uh, I recognised that over my lifetime, there's been times when I have chose to build that day, that particular day uh, on the strong foundation of Jesus. But there's been times when I haven't and I have chosen to do my own build that day. And I, I know the difference. It's like Alice shared last week. Uh, I know the difference. And so as I reflect uh, overall, I think um, what I understand from just what I look at my life and see that it's been through the perseverance uh, of practising the presence of God uh, through scripture and prayer and through the Holy Spirit um, that I've began to prefer choosing to build in his presence and build on him the foundation uh, and seek him more and more uh, in that way um, and be at home in that building environment uh, and and really really just be so thankful just so thankful uh, that he is my strong foundation uh, and so there's the second thing this morning. I would encourage you to reflect on your own testimony. Take some time, ask yourself that question. Just consider it, let God speak to you through your own testimony. And maybe also ask somebody else this week uh, the same question and hear a little bit about their testimony. And that's how we grow. We begin to share these things, these learnings with one another. And it becomes really helpful in our own walk with God, just like these neighbours would have when they were building their actual houses uh, all those generations ago. Uh, are you building on the rock? Uh, and see what the answer is. Well, there's just one more thing I want to share with you, because uh, we're not going to leave it there. Um, I want to just bring a little additional insight, because as Kenneth Bailey suggests, this parable more than any uh, is so familiar to us, and often we just do leave it there, uh, which is good. Uh, but he says that there's more, there's more. He says dynamite comes in small packages. And he says this parable was a little bit like dynamite uh, would have been to the, the first hearers when Jesus preached this for the first time. Uh, it would have been a little bit like dynamite. Okay, well, let's, let's look at verse 24. Therefore, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Well, according to scholars like Peter Walker, eh, they explain that Judaism at that time would have eh, involved three interconnected entities, eh, they were called, the land, the nation, the people, Jerusalem and the temple. Um, and Jesus was suggesting uh, that people would really need to listen and listen well uh, because he was going to tell them something about these three interconnected entities that would have been really important. Uh, so let's turn to Isaiah uh, and it's Isaiah 28 verses 14 to 18. 
Now, in these verses, uh, Isaiah is addressing a nation facing invasion, the dreaded Assyrian army. Uh, and there was a lot of fear um, around. That was the conditions around them. And just like our parable, these verses deliver a contrast, kind of a step parallelism that I'd mentioned, uh, that involves a kind of stinging rebuke, but also a hopeful future. So let's just have a look at them because they say something really important into what I believe that Jesus was saying through the parable of the builders. You've got the same step parallelism. Here do, verse 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, O scoffers, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Building, a building doomed to fall, verse 14, 15. For we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have concealed ourselves with deception. The result, verse 17. Then hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the secret place. This is a picture of desolation, contrasting with some middle verses that I'm just going to read. But they're contrasting because they're giving a different foundation, a different um, opportunity from that of falsehood, deception and scoffing and disregard from God being the foundation. In verse 16 and 17, it says, Therefore says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. And they who believe will not be disrupted or shaken. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. The people of God took this as a promise of a restored temple and rescued exile situation. We know this is true. The nation of Israel was returned from exile and the temple and the city of Jerusalem was restored and rebuilt just as the prophets proclaimed. And so we find that in the book of Ezra, for example, a decree from King Cyrus to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Uh, in chapter 6 verse 3 it says let the temple the place where sacrifices are offered be rebuilt and let its foundations be retained however we know that these verses in Isaiah mean more than this they're they're dynamite this is the dynamite because Jesus is revealing to them through the parable that he is the cornerstone he's connecting this he's connecting it together he is the foundation referred to in Isaiah Jesus says that I am the Shetaya, the Hebrew for the foundation stone build on me he says and my words eh, and you will not be shaken the faithful presence of God becomes faithful for all not just the Jewish people and we know from uh, later on in Matthew that Jesus expands on this message when he declares something that is dynamite he says he is greater than the temple chapter 12 verse 6 but I tell you something something greater than the temple is here Jesus is Emmanuel God with us we find that in chapter 1 verse 23 the faithful presence of God is speaking out the sermon on this mountainside is here is here the temple 
had truly been ordained by God. We've, we've got all that through the Old Testament. That's not disappearing. But through Jesus, there would be an ultimate fulfillment. The faithful presence of God available for all, including those most excluded, the people of the Beatitudes, for example. As Jesus tells the woman at the well when she asks, where will we worship? When she meets Jesus, it tells us in uh, John chapter 4.23, Jesus says, an hour is coming. In fact, it now is, it's here, when the true worshipper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Because you see, Jesus is pointing towards a new way of being in the presence of God, a new temple to be building. And what is that new temple? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us, reminds us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? In this parable, Jesus is releasing dynamite uh, to the religious folks of the time about what foundation they would build their faith upon. And more than that, the people uh, are the temple a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. More rather than the temple, uh, Jesus also says something about collectively, collectively building. He carries it on. He says this restored temple uh, in Matthew chapter 21 verse 13, he says will be a house of prayer rather than a den of robbers which you've made it. Ray Backey, the theologian, says God's hands are in the mud and fabric of our cities. You see, the city needs Jesus' followers building their lives on him and building together a house of prayer in the city. The city needs Jesus' followers to get their hands in the mud with God into the everyday fabric of our society. And this is the third thing that I want to bring you this morning. This parable is calling us to make a decision on if we're going to follow Jesus in belief and action. Are we going to build our lives daily on Jesus? And are we going to build collectively towards a house of prayer? Well, at the end of this passage in verse 28 to 29, it says, When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. That faithful presence of God was amongst them and they were amazed. And that leaves us this morning with another question and additional question. What reaction does Jesus' teaching evoke in you this morning? Because Jesus is alive, Jesus is here and his authority remains and he remains faithfully present with us today let me pray father god we thank you we come to you lord jesus we come to you this morning and we thank you that you are the cornerstone that you are the only foundation and Lord, we thank you that we can build our lives upon you. And when we build our lives upon you, we cannot be shaken. That even when the winds come, even when the rains come, even when the trials of life and this world come against us, that we will stand firm on your foundation. Oh, Holy Spirit, 
would you help us? Would you continue to help us to be people who choose to build daily in this way? Who are called towards collectively building a house of prayer. Lord, may we seek you and may we build in your presence each day. May we build through our prayers. May we build eh, with one another, Lord. Help us, help us this day eh, to reflect on these things. That we may rejoice knowing on who we stand. And Lord, for those that do not have a foundation to stand on, Lord, may they know this day that you invite them to say, come. Come and build your life on me. And Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that is asking that question, that you would come and build your life on the Lord Jesus. You won't regret it. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And so we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let me leave you with this. 40 days of prayer. Let's do it together. Let's build a house of prayer. Let our everyday lives be firm on the cornerstone that when the rain and wind comes, we will not be shaken. Have a good week, folks. Uh, I'm praying for you.